Welcome back to the Social Strategy Slayer show. Today, I have a really special episode for you. I just got off recording with one of my best, best business friends, business buddies, Eva Medlick. And I wanted to bring Eva on. I don't do interviews normally, but Eva just released a book, The Intimacy of Race. And I wanted to talk with her briefly about it. She has, she's super slammed. She's in very high demand right now, um, but she was kind enough to agree to jump on just to have a basic conversation about her book and where she sees the online industry going. And we just kind of talked as friends a little bit. We've been having much deeper, longer conversations off of um, off of camera about a lot of things that we see. And I plan to have her back on. But today I just wanted you guys to, to meet her and to see what she's up to. And Eva is an executive certified high performance coach. She has coached both men and women in all areas of personal development, leadership, and mastering habits for success in their personal and their professional lives. She specializes in helping busy professionals have more money, time, and success without sacrificing health, well-being, and relationships in the process. So important. She uses her personal experience along with her leadership, relationship, and high-performance training to teach you how to have it all without sacrificing it all. I am so excited for you to hear about our conversation. We talk a little bit about spiritual bypassing. We talk about the importance of being in groups that are centering diversity, that are amplifying diversity. And we're talking about even like thinking about what vendors we're using and Who's owning them? And are there certain Black-owned businesses we can be buying from or BIPOC-owned or LGBTQ-plus-owned businesses we could be buying from? And it was just a, a short conversation, but if you're at all curious about how to be a better ally, we talk about this. And Eva also shares about her experience um, as a Black woman right now creating intimate conversations. Because I think when we talk about social media, it's hard sometimes to have these intimate conversations about something like race on social media. It's important to, to share on social media our opinions and our values and our stance. And I think sometimes things can be lost in the post. You can't hear someone's tone. You can't hear someone's inflection on what they're actually trying to say. And one beautiful thing that Eva does is she encourages intimate conversations, not just commenting back and forth on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, but can you get on the phone with someone to actually see and hear their heart? Because that's how we're, that's a huge way we're going to be able to change is through actual intimate conversation. And Eva's like been crushing it with that. I've been so blown away by her. And I just wanted to bring her on and talk about it from that, from that stance, because I think we, all of you guys who listen to this podcast, you know, I think social media is one of the most important things out there. But I also think that there's something to be said about an intimate conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the one and only Eva Medelik. What is up, Social Strategy Slayer listeners? I have a very special, special episode today because it's our first ever guest on the podcast. And wow. Yep. You're the first guest ever on the Social Strategy Slayer, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> Eva Medlick. Eva Medlick is one of my favorite humans. And Eva, Eva's book just came out. It's The Intimacy of Race. And I was like pre-ordered that 
ish so many copies handed it out to everyone it's such a good book it's such a good book thanks for coming on the show today oh my god thanks for having me and yes you are one of my favorite humans because i don't often meet other people who have pet rabbits and i grew up with a pet rabbit my kids grew up with pet rabbits so we've we've got the rabbit thing going on but i've since migrated to puppies (laughs) yes unfortunately i have no more bunnies currently but um, I will eventually once I, I have more but space. But you're a bunny lover, and that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, we're both. I think we're both big animal lovers for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Eva, I want to talk about your book and just you in general because we met through actually like a program, but we had both done a bunch of leadership work under the same guy, the same Michael Strasner. Yeah. And when we met, I fell in love with you right away because your energy is just like strong, but loving, but open. Like you were sharing with me some things that I was like, oh my gosh, like we just met <laughs> like, and, and that's how I am. So I was like, this is amazing. And through the last year, everything that has been become more brought to more mainstream light with Black Lives Matter and everything happened with George Floyd, I was really floored with how you handled everything in terms of your willingness to be open, to get on the phone with people and Mm -hmm. talk to them. Like one thing I saw a lot of people doing, which I totally understand is just like blocking everyone. And what you did was you were like, Hey, are you open to having a phone call with me on people who were leaving you like nasty comments? Yeah. Yeah. On people who were strongly disagreeing, um, You know, here's where my come from is that social media, and I know you're a social media slayer, but when you're having an intimate conversation and you are in a space of differing um, come froms and opinions, social media is not the platform to have a deeper connection on. And because people can't hear your heart in the words, you know, they, they read with their own tonality and inflection. And that often is wrong. I was, you know, I'm going to share a quick story with you. When um, my daughter was about six or seven, she came home from school one day, very, very upset. Like, ugh. I'm like, honey, what's wrong? That crossing guard is so stupid. I hate her. And I'm like, okay, a crossing guard. (laughs) What happened with the crossing guard? You know, she doesn't know what she's doing, mommy. She's stupid. Like whatever age kids, you know, start to have that strong opinion. And I was like, tell me more. And she goes, what? I said, what did she do? And she says, she told me to hurry up. Like, okay, what was wrong with telling me to hurry up? Well, the sign said slow children. So I was going slow. which I thought was the most adorable thing to say at six years old, because she literally took that sign to read that the children need to go slow. And so I walked her to school the next day, really saw what she was talking about because I was confused. And of course they had the sign for the cars in front of the, the, the elementary school that says slow, <laughs> children. She took that to mean to go slow and the crossing guard who didn't know what she was doing, obviously told her to hurry up. And so my point in sharing that is how often we misunderstand. And so the only way for us to have a deeper understanding and hear each other's hearts 
is to be in a conversation, to be in a conversation where we all can feel seen, heard, and respected in that conversation. That was an opportunity for me to explain to my daughter, no, honey, that sign is not for you. It's for the cars so that they can slow down. And she was telling you to hurry up so that the cars would be able to go on their way. And But she misunderstood that. And she had a very strong opinion. She made a judgment about the crossing guard who was apparently stupid and didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> and how often do you find many of us misreading something in social media, misunderstanding, forming that strong opinion, getting upset, having all these feelings come up without having an opportunity to hear each other's hearts. So, Yeah, I have definitely been your daughter in that moment several other times. I think for me, it's, um, I, I think it's easy for me to just look at things as black and white. So like, with certain things. I love politics anyway, beyond just this past year, I've been really passionate about these things. And I think it's hard to, um, like, it's like, you gotta be more open, but how, because you see people making like really ignorant statements and you want to explain to them. Like one thing that I've found on social media is that I've struggled with myself is, I'll see people as particularly in the community that we came from, um, that we met in saying things like, I want to understand, like, mm -hmm. I want to understand. And I'll respond with some like great information being like, I see that you think X, Y, Z about black lives matter. And I acknowledge that. And here is the actual thing that we are saying. Mm -hmm. And then they keep arguing. It's like, but you said you genuinely wanted to understand but it seems like you really don't want to understand. It seems like you're really committed to your story about what's going on. Yeah, so, there's a lot of that. <laughs> when that happens, do you just like, what do you do? Do you just block? At one point, at what point do you protect your space versus try to have the intimate conversation? It depends on my relationship with the person, honestly. I mean, I protect my space greatly because of the level of, um, you know, it's funny, I talked to someone last week who says, you know, I have some PS, PT, PTSD, not PMS, PTSD, um, which comes up in a lot of ancestral trauma. And a lot of these comments actually trigger that emotion in me. So it's, I really have to protect my space and take care of myself so that I can still show up powerfully and generous and giving, but yeah, there is a limit. And so that's why I say it depends on the relationship. If I, if I heard those things coming from you, knowing how much I love you, I would say just, we need to talk, you know, and there were some people in that community that you speak of that were saying things like all lives matter and I don't see color. And I even had one person accused me of being a racist and being uh, a racist against white people. And I know she knows my husband is white. So, and it's not saying that I still couldn't have racist, racist ideals and tendencies just because I have white people in my family, but it was an opportunity for me to reach out to her. And, and I said, you know what, I hear you. I hear what you're saying because people get defensive when they don't feel heard, seen and respected in a conversation. I'm like, let's get on the phone. And I think I posted it in one of our Facebook groups that we have that's a little bit more exclusive in that community. 
And I said, this is what someone in this community um, shared with me, you know, what would other white people say to her in response to this? Because for me as a black woman to always be the one defending, you know, the feelings of the black community can be exhausting and taxing and it really needs to come from within because you're more respected in your own community. And that's just how it is. I'm not saying it's fair or not, but it's just the reality. But because her and I had, you know, staffed leadership together, had been roommates together, you know, generally love each other. She was worth going the extra mile for. And we did have a conversation because I wanted to hear her heart and hear where she was coming from. And, you know, by the time we got on the phone and talked, she admitted she was coming from a place of ego and defensiveness because of her triggers. And it was an opportunity to have a loving conversation about a very difficult subject, which is why I titled my Facebook group, The Intimacy of Race, why I titled my book, The Intimacy of Race, because this is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take an incredible amount of patience understanding and compassion for the fabric of people's DNA to be changed, to have, to have a different perspective, to see our point of view. And if we deny or give up so easily, um, we, we don't have the opportunity to make a big impact or have a big influence. And we get to lead by example. So yeah, there's cancel culture is strong, but if you're somebody I don't know and we're friends because we have 300 friends in common, but I've never got a chance to hear your heart. I may or may not extend an invitation or I just may not wanna hear that noise. So it depends. I reach out to people I know, love and care about. And I've had this happen several times. I've also had people in that community not wanna to talk to me. I'm not ready to have a conversation with you and have real resistance about getting on the phone. I was like, look, I know you and I love you. We've been through fire together, <laughs> you know, let, you know, I would love to share my perspective with you, but let's do it on a call. No. So you got, you're going to get that. Yeah. And I think that the, the, everything you're saying is so important because I remember the day that you posted that screenshot and I was like, my, my uh, reaction versus response, you know, because it would do it react versus respond. I was like, who is this person? Like, I was like, I was like, I was like, take the blur off their name. I want to see who it is. Like, I'm coming for them. Like, that's, you know, to be honest, that is my reaction. And honestly, also because I'm very protective by nature because of my own traumas. Like I'm very like, I'm a very loyal, protective person and I want to like mama bear, but that's also <laughs> not- a great mommy. I'm so excited. I can't wait for the little, the little Jess babies. <laughs> I I am I'm excited too. Hopefully my my wedding can happen this year so that I can actually start pumping them out. But um but you know that's my rea that's my reaction. So I think like especially um 
we as like me as a white person and anyone listening to this who is white, it is really our responsibility to speak up. And if we do see those comments, if it's someone who we love or even someone who we know of as a rational human, because there are certain people like even within my own family that I'm like, we're not having this conversation anymore because you are committed to being right and you don't want to have a conversation. And I'm not going to like argue with you until the cows Mm -hmm. come home. If this is who you want to be, that's on you. Um, But a hundred percent, like there are, if you know someone is a reasonable, rational, loving person, and maybe they've been conditioned to see things in a certain way, it is our responsibility as white people to step in and, and support because it is hard. Like Eva shouldn't have to be the only one defending herself and this movement. It's not fair. It's exhausting. She's already having to deal with all the trauma of everything that's going on. And I remember at the one, um, the biggest Black Lives Matter march that I went to this year in Chicago, um, one of the the men who ran the rally at the end, it was huge. There's like 30,000 people. It was amazing. And there was this, he gave a speech at the end and he said, the number one thing for you white people to go home and do is to be an interruption of these conversations when there's no black people in the room. He's like, cause you guys have something that we'll never have. You have access to rooms full of only white people. Mm. And if you're in those rooms, you need to make sure that you are standing up because I think on social media, we, people are social justice warriors about every cause. And they're really hard on the paint with the keyboard. They're like, I'm coming like, you know, yeah, it's so much, yeah. but in your daily life, what are you doing to, yeah to affect change. Yeah. You know, how, how are you connecting at a deeper level so that you can be heard? You know, we have all of these walls and blocks and defenses up um, and you've got to get yourself in a position. That's why self-care is important, you know, white or black, because a lot of the reaction from the white warriors are a reaction from guilt and shame. And so there's a little bit of, I feel is overcompensation. And so when you feel the need to react and not respond responsibly, I would say go for a walk, take a breath, drink some water. You know, what I do is I jump on the trampoline with some, some tunes. Oh my God, Proud Mary was on the other day and I was like, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. You gotta have a system in place for you to lower the heartbeat and be able to come from a place of compassion and openness to go there because if you're in the emotion of it and the need to defend, because we're all in a need to defend right now, each side, every side, all sides, however many sides, even if it's an octagon, everybody wants to defend their position and their view and their reasoning. And so when you wanna be a loving interruption, you've gotta take down the defense walls and really be open to listening because there is early life experiences that have um, that are in our fabric that people are that's their come from, and that's what I co you know part of the, the foundation of what I coach in high performance. As you know, I'm a high performance coach, is to really learn more about the fabric of who you are, so that you can be who you want to be, who you aspire to be, what what is the best you that you can be, your highest and best self. But we've got to know what the foundation is made of first. And that's why, you know, even in high performance, in my opinion, you cannot be a true 
high performer in your at home, at work, and in your communities, unless you have some level of allyship um, training and, and learn how to have these conversations about race and how to be inclusive in your relationships and in your communities is to bring some cultural inclusivity. And so I think that's going to be the new dynamic of, of being a high performer, of performing at that next level in your success is where is the inclusivity? And so what I am planning to do in June, and so I get to put it in the universe so I make it happen, is to create a summit showcasing culturally inclusive talent so that you can bring that. I, I hear from a lot of people, you know, I wanna bring more inclusivity to my teams. What do I do? How do I go? It's like, first of all, I'm not a talent acquisition manager. So just because <laughs> I'm black doesn't know, you know, I mean, if I have a VA, you know, if you need a specific talent, but I can't, you know, I don't know every black bookkeeper if you need a bookkeeper. And so I thought, you know what? That's a need. People really have a heart to want to want to increase um, inclusivity in their communities and their personal communities and their lives on their teams why don't I pull together some of the best of the best so that I can give them a platform to share their genius because there's so much genius in the community that's untapped. And being in the white communities, like the ones we came from, which is predominantly white, they predominantly showcase white talent and white leaders, and there's no cultural inclusivity at all. There's some tokenism going on in my opinion, but no real cultural inclusivity. There are a lot of people who want to do that. Why don't I can make a difference? I can have an impact in that space. So that's to come. And I'm really excited about it because I'm finding some really good, like I didn't even know that Calendly was a black owned business. I just found that out in the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, I need to switch my mail server now because I had, I had no idea. I no didn't know that server. either. How cool is that? That's a... Uh... I should, yeah. I mean, I use Acuity, so that's something to definitely think of switching over. I use over. Acuity too, and I'm like, I if I had known Calendly was, and yeah. I, I really wasn't in the mindset to be intentional, intentional about hiring Black-owned businesses. I also found a, another platform that's going to be, that's a rival to Kajabi that's Black-owned and has some really cool features. So I'd love to to you know showcase that gentleman and 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 have him have a platform to to showcase you know when you have these um, online courses and things like that so i'm like super excited because i'm immersing myself more to be in a position to know more about the talent so that i can showcase it i love that that's so important and i think that I wish I wish we had more time because I know you have somewhere to be. Um, yeah, but we're uh, we're almost done here, so I'm gonna oh, wrap okay. you up. But <laughs> but one thing I want to say, at, and I want to potentially even bring you back on the podcast is like we kind of touched on it, and this is a short form podcast, so it's hard to go into all the little nitty gritties. Yeah. But in the online business space, this is predominantly who listens to this in the fitness space, and. Um, there is a lot of like spiritual bypassing happening. Um, and what, one thing that I just wanted to reflect back to the audience that I don't want to be glossed over in what you said that was so brilliant was part of being a high performer, part of being a leader is inclusivity. 
It is challenging yourself, not only on your own past traumas and your own past beliefs, but on our societal past traumas and our societal past beliefs. And where is white supremacy showing up in our lives? That's a huge part of what it's going to take to be a leader moving forward. Like the old paradigm of just like hustle, toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing culture is ending. Like it's it's coming to an end. And if if you're someone who's maybe been hesitant to play all out because you don't resonate with that, now is your time. And you got to find the right people and the right communities to be involved in where th- these conversations are centered and amplified, not just the white hustle, bustle, old paradigm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because there is a section in the book that definitely deals with the spiritual community and, and spiritual bypass and how you, you know, it really takes intention. There's intentionality behind everything you do. And it's a new, it's a new way of thinking. You can't love and light everything right now. You really have to be intentional. And, you know, and that's, that's super, super important because, you know, not acknowledging people's feelings and emotions around the history of their communities and their trauma and their experience Uh, and their emotions is a form of bypass. And it's on both sides because one of the things that that sets me apart is I recognize the shame, blame, and guilt that the white community is feeling. And until we can have the white community, white presenting community move past that into stronger, uh, sustainable allyship and leadership, you know, we're not, it's, it's all hands on deck. We're not going to be able to move forward, but I don't want to be a bypasser of the shame, blame, and guilt too. We're all dealing with, with stuff that's coming up ancestrally that we get to deal with and recognize. And so it works, it works both ways. It really isn't one-sided and that's why we get to hear each other's hearts and have the conversation around it. You are so fabulous. And Thank you for coming on. I know you are in high demand. So I appreciate you coming on to the Social Strategy Slayer. And everybody, I want to encourage you guys to first and foremost, buy The Intimacy of Race, which is such a great book on Amazon. It's it's like super, I mean, it's like super readable. Like I just was actually reading the spiritual bypassing chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So, so good. Um, mm-hmm. It's how to move from subconscious racism to active allyship for people of privilege. Amazing. Where else can people find you? They can go to talkwitheva.com. I love really it. Easy. <laughs> talkwitheva.com. And you know what? Let's see how we can, you know, if you're ready, you know, I really, of course, my, my website, evamedelec.com, but you know what, if you really want to in, um, be a high performer that actually takes on the mantle of uh, inclusivity in your life, let's have a conversation about what needs to happen to make that happen. I love it. And Eva is trained by Brendan Burchard. Like she is top of the line, best of the best. Anytime someone posts, I need help with my high performance. I'm like, Eva, I tag Eva. I'm like, I'm like, Eva, Eva, Eva. Um, (laughs) You're a sweetheart. Thank you, honey. No, thank you. And I I really appreciate you being here. And I'm sure we'll have to have another conversation at some point, especially maybe even closer to your summit. So you can share with everyone what you're finding and who you're seeing. And, um, and yeah, I'd love to share that with my audience also. And, um, 
Thank you so much for joining us today. We love you. Thanks for having me, Jess. I'll talk to you soon, honey. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Social Strategy Slayer. Before you go, before you go, I have something really awesome for you. I have a PDF download on all of the things you need to know about creating an Instagram bio that actually converts. I know that I personally love a visual. I love to download something and actually be able to see what are my action steps? How do I take that next step? Because a huge way that people lose money or lose the game on Instagram is by not having their bio ducks in a row. They don't know how to convert their their profile photos off, their username is off, their name is not optimized for SEO. They don't have their bio constructed. They don't know where to put certain things like personal values. They don't know where to put things like what their call to action is. They're all messed up on Linktree. They don't know these things. And you need to have your bio in order for you to be able to convert on Instagram. You do. It's the number one thing I tell people when I'm on my audits with them. I go through their bio and I basically tear it to shreds. And it's all out of love and it's something you can rinse and repeat. You can use this download anytime you want, but click down to the show notes and click over and download this PDF because it is going to help you keep it in your resource file. Make sure you take action on it today because this is something that up until now I've only taught in my courses, my programs, my VIP days. And still, I, I, I do tell people how to do this for their personal brand on those sessions, but you now have a PDF downloadable guide that cuts right to the chase. How do I create an Instagram bio that converts? I got you. Head to the show notes and take action on it today. Save it in your files. Make sure that you save it. You rinse and repeat it. You can use it anytime you want. So I hope you head down to the show notes. You click that and you download your guide to creating an Instagram bio that converts. It'll take you maybe 15 minutes to update. It will take you no time at all. And it'll help you actually create leads from your Instagram. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you love, someone that you know really could use it. And don't forget to download that guide. All right. Sending you all my love and I'll see you next week.